So how, how should we start this? I think oh. we just start. Oh, okay. Okay. Good day and welcome to the Middle Podcast, the ministry of Living Word Church in Oak Harbor, Washington. That voice you heard is my daughter Ainsley, and my name is Jim Nelson, your host for this show. Thank you so much for listening. Today I'm going to try out a brand new format for this episode, and I'm calling it the Variety Show version. So what do I mean by that? Ainsley is looking at me with a bit of confusion on her face. So before we get going, I'll give a little background, and I'll do that just by giving us some examples. For my age and older audience, some examples might be Saturday Night Live, The Hee Haw Show, if we go way back in the day, The Muppet Show, if we look at our youth maybe, or The David Letterman Show, Late at Night. Ainsley, for you and the younger audience, it might be more like Mask Singer, okay, or The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, mm-hmm. or America's Got Talent, those type of shows. Okay. So typically they have a host, that's me. They have a sidekick, that's you today, Okay. to help get the show and the conversation going. And that followed by a variety of guests or acts, mm-hmm. and you put all that together, you have a show with variety. The Variety Show. Today, Ainsley is my sidekick. Okay, so are we all square away, square yes, away with that, Ainsley? Okay. One thing I want to use you for today, Ainsley, to get this conversation going, you know a good movie when you see one. Right. You're really good at recommended movies that you know that I'll like. Mm-hmm. Now, you have picked out many over the years, but in a couple of instances, it's taken me some time to warm yes. up to your recommendation and get on board with your choice. The first was, now do you remember, this is a quiz, do you remember? I'm thinking something you are very obsessed with now, The Greatest Showman. You're right, it was The Greatest <laughs> Showman. It took me months of you listening to the soundtrack and telling me that I just had to watch it before I finally gave in and you were right. Mm-hmm. I do remind myself a lot of Hugh Jackman. <laughs> oh my no, seriously, it was a great pick, it was a great pick. But last week I finally watched another movie that you've been talking about through the last five COVID months. Tell our listeners the name because I will mess that up. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. It's it's a mouthful, but it was great. It's an amazing movie. So I have Ainsley on the podcast today to Mm -hmm. give us our first ever middle podcast movie review. Yay! Why do you recommend the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Peel Pie Pie Society? Okay, so this movie is one of the very few movies I will choose to watch over and over and over again by myself because every time I watch it, I notice something new that enhances the plot so much more. So it is a historical fiction movie based on World War II on the island of Guernsey, and it shows a very real description of the life during the German occupation on Guernsey Island. And Guernsey is just right off the coast of France. Yes. But it's an English island. Right, yeah. And how it shows the very real description is walking us through a very complicated past of this group of friends. It really doesn't walk you through their story completely because the details of their very dark and very sad story are not fully exposed until the very, very end. So there are many missing pieces that you try filling during the movie. But once they are filled through the movie, they are not what you expect at all. So the plot is very complicated and a lot of details. 
despite that, not hard to follow the right. plot. Not hard not to follow the plot, but just you're not going to get the details. Yeah, and you're a little confused, okay. but a good confused. Now, the emotion behind the story and the plot is even more impactful because during the occupation, all of these people were left alone and just working for themselves and trying to keep themselves alive. But this group of this group of people found a family within each other. And within their family, they protect each other at all costs and promise to keep their secrets safe and sacred because the people and things they lost during the war were too personal for the public to know. I don't want to go much further because I want you to watch it. So go watch the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society on Netflix. 10 out of 10 recommend. All right, thank you, Ainsley. Yes. Lead us, but lead us out in the next segment. Thank you for joining us. We'll be right back after this short break. All right, well, that was fun, but on to this past weekend's sermon topic. If you caught our service in person or maybe streaming online, Pastor Amy Akatero continued the series, Who is Next? Our look into transitions in scripture, and her topic this last Sunday was Elijah and Elisha. In preparation for Sunday, I wanted to reread the entire story of these two prophets, kind of in anticipation of what Amy would address. So I started at 1 Kings 17, and I read all the way through to 2 Kings 13. And if you have the time, I recommend that you read through it also. It's a fascinating story. But what do you find when you read through these chapters? Well, first off, a lot of names of kings and a lot of battles. And at this point, the Israelite kingdom has been split in two by civil war. So we get kings of Judah, kings of Israel, kings of their enemies like Moab and Assyria. But we do get an assessment of the king's reign. And in the case of the two kingdoms of Israel, this is generally pretty negative. But woven into that chronology of stories are two great prophets, Elijah and Elisha. I'll start us out by reading some excerpts early on in the story. So I'll start with 1 Kings 17. It says, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. He did all that. I'm going to jump down to verse 8. The Lord then said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now in the story, Elijah obeys the word of God that came to him, and he moves on. But after the story of the widow, chapter 18, it says this, Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. Here's what stood out to me right off the bat. Three times in a very short amount of space in this story, basically one chapter, just a little over one chapter, we read the phrase, the Lord told Elijah. So what does that mean, the Lord told Elijah? 
Let's explore this a bit in this segment. Hey, Dad, what's up? That's my second son, Adam, a student at Gonzaga University. Hey, I'm kind of mulling over the story of Elijah and Elisha this week. In our middle podcast interview a few, few weeks ago, I recall you saying in at least a few of your responses something like, I heard God tell me, and yes. then you'd finish your answer. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me say this, though, before you get started. None of these were used in an accusatory manner, like, God told me to tell you, and then you'd insert something negative about my character or behavior. Okay? Yeah. That yeah. was not the case. But in our modern American context today, this is where I think this phrase gets a really bad rap. It sometimes mm-hmm. comes across like a hammer. And yeah. that's not what we're talking about today. Yeah. Because from our conversation, it seemed to me that in a very personal and intimate, but at the same time instructional and encouraging way, yeah. you heard God communicate with you. So I just yeah. wanted to get a quick answer from you. What does that practically look like in your walk with Jesus when you say, God told me? So there's, there's two kind of ways that I think about it. The first one is I truly believe that we can hear um, the voice of God every day um, through reading Scripture. Sure. And so that that's the first one is is I I think that most of the time that I say God said this to me, it's usually through reading scripture and through um seeing how that applies to my current situation and, and through life. So scripture is really big in, in hearing the voice of God. And then the second way I, I heard this um worship leader one time say that God knows the best way to get to you and usually it is through your own voice. Um, what that looks like is just usually the, the thing that God impresses on my heart. I usually hear it in my own voice, but it's not necessarily wisdom that came from myself or um, from my own understanding of something. And um, what I really like that this worship leader articulated was you listen to yourself the most. And so usually if God is trying to speak to you, he's going to use your own voice because he knows you're going to listen. Um, and so... Then, then I think just kind of that discernment comes, um, and really taking that thought captive and just being like, was this from God? Was this from myself? Um, and so sometimes it's not clear. Um, but I think there are times where it's just very clear that God, God put that on my heart for myself. Um, so that's, yeah. that's kind of what, what I judge a, a word from the Lord by. Okay. That sounds good. Uh, I, I have very similar experiences. Um, I would say m- mine more are coincide with who I'm reading and, yeah. and uh, or what I'm reading and, or what I'm listening to on a podcast. Yeah. And then, and, and generally it feels to me, this is what it feels like to me since we're talking about this, just kind of a heaviness, like, yes. Oh, like, okay, that really sat well with me or that really convicted me or boy I really ought to look into this some more. Yeah. And then ideally then I turn back to scripture and I and I kind of try to find where scripture is talking about that and then give it some context. I'll tell you why this really came to my attention this week. It started off with Elijah because as soon as you start reading it in first Kings seventeen, you continually see and God told Elijah. God mm. told him to go to the brook. God told him yeah. to go to uh, the woman and her son. And I mm. thought to myself, well, okay, there's all kinds of ways that this could go, this transition from Elijah to Elisha. 
did that same thing transition to Elisha. I could not find, and I I think I hit every story of Elisha for the rest of 1 Kings and then into 2 Kings, Mm -hmm. where it said God commanded Elisha. Elisha a couple times says, this is the word of God. Mm -hmm. And and at other times it didn't say that at all. He just acted. How did he get that command? Mm-hmm. Was it through a thought? Was, did he go back to scripture? Did he, yeah. you know, all, what were the other options that God used to, or the other ways that God used to communicate to Elijah? I think that's really interesting because it's it's not every day where I necessarily have like a separate moment outside of scripture where God presses something on my heart and I really feel like he's telling me something. And so sometimes, whether it's in worship leading or whether it's just in your everyday life, Sometimes you just got to act on faith and you have to act out of who you know God is calling you to be. Elisha didn't necessarily say, and God told me this. It was like, hey, I'm going to live into who God has called me to be. Those are the building moments of your faith. You know, it's not it's not every day I wake up and I'm like, oh, yeah, God, thanks for telling me this. And like, I know you're going <laughs> to tell me a bunch of stuff throughout the day. It's like, I yeah. really just got to trust that what he says about himself being good is true. I think that's when you get to be free in your life is when you just like know who you're called to be, know who God is, and you act on that. Well, as always, I really enjoy conversations like that with Adam. But we have only half an hour for this variety show, so it's time to introduce our next guest, Pastor Amy Acatero. Thank you, Amy, for taking some time to be back with us. Great job on Sunday walking us through Elijah and Elisha. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. A couple of things, though. Um, I've read through the stories in First Kings and Second Kings twice this week, just to be for, ready for whatever you were going to bring to us. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. guess what? What? I got all the trivia questions. You did? Right. Yep, I did. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then secondly, so at the hotel, I caught the, just the end of first service. And you closed it out, and I was away from the computer, so it was still going over there, and you were caught on a live mic. Uh-huh. Did you know that? I did, yeah. Oh, you did? Well, okay. I you... didn't. I didn't know that that was <laughs> happening at the time, but I heard it later. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it was very, you know, benign, like I got kind of worked up over that or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't promise the Russians any flexibility after the election or <laughs> anything good. like that. It was, it was pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, but that's good. <laughs> on a serious note, I really got tons of encouragement from your approach this past weekend because um, much of it came from the viewpoint of the second fiddle, the mentor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use lead violin and second fiddle because I just, it's number one, it's easier for me to distinguish between mentor and mentored. You know, there's a depth of, um, learning and understanding that happens when you're the second fiddle. There's like oh, this, you know, I mean, actually, you could, if you leaned into it, you could gain freedom of significance driving your worth. Yep. You know, you could I, gain freedom from that. And so then your worth is no longer on the table. And man, yeah. once your worth is no longer on the table, then you have so much freedom. Yeah. I think so much of the transition talk centers on the lead violin and how mm-hmm. to pass down successfully and not lose momentum and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But so much of it depends on the obedience, the open-handedness, the persistence, mm-hmm. and the boldness of the mentored or the second fiddle that you mentioned. Right. So it made me think of another thing, too, and I was just 
hoping you'd be able to comment a bit on this today. I am a lead violin in many aspects of my life, Mm -hmm. but that's not all of it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, that's going on simultaneously. There are still aspects of what I'm doing, and especially in my spiritual life, but also just in everyday life where I'm still playing the second fiddle, and that's that's Mm -hmm. fine. I play second fiddle when I sit under the teachings of authors that I'm reading or podcasts that I'm listening to, or and certainly any time that I'm reading and studying the scripture. So I just wanted to get you a a few minutes on your take on that realization, I guess you could say, to all Mm -hmm. Christ followers that we're still walking towards the nature and character of Christ. We're still in that transition, and we're not fully there yet. So would you mind speaking and just kind of following up to Sunday's uh, service with that in mind? Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is I'm in a master's program right now, and um, our last class that we just got done with um, is called Mentoring and Coaching. And so we talked a lot about mentoring um, and also seeing, you know, studied some of the examples in the Bible about being the mentor and being the mentee um, and how actually, you know, current stats for people in ministry is, I think that's what kind of informed my emphasis of finishing well, because there's, you know, there's a lot of current statistics out there for people in ministry who um, very small percentage actually finishes well. And by finishing well, I mean, still has a vibrant faith intact um, at the end of their ministry season. And so um, part of that is that our relationship with God is dynamic. It, it's growing and it also requires um, investment. And a willingness to continue to learn and grow. And, um, in fact, there are different, like, life stages. And um, when we're, you know, kind of in our 20s and 30s, the big question is um, developing sustainable relationships. So all the things that we are working on and working through is we are developing, learning the skills to develop Um, sustainable relationships. And we answer the question, you know, are we going to trust people? Are we going to, um, you know, um, be faithful? Are we going to be loyal? All those, all those important things. Well, the next stage is you hit this crossroads of, am I going to, have I learned enough? And um, I'm just now going to ride out, you know, all those years that I have invested, that I have you know, learned that I've grown and now I'm in a place where I'm just going to ride it out for the rest of my life, which, which will equal stagnation. Or am I going to choose to, um, continue to grow, which will mean humbling myself, um, acknowledging the fact that there's still areas in me that even though I've been doing something for a really long time, there's still areas in me that I need to grow and improve and, you know, I'm not the expert, I'm the learner. Um, those things actually are very healthy and good for us when we reach kind of a crossroads of that. Yeah, um, oh, perfect, yeah. Yeah, so that, you know, that's kind of what's interesting. You do see a lot of people in different stages of life just kind of hit that crossroads where they have to decide, um, you know, am I going to keep growing? And if the answer is yes, there is a cost to it, but it's so worth it. Um, but it will take investment and it will take intentionality. And actually, 
it will take you seeking out mentors and you becoming the mentee and you seeking out. So, yeah, it does go both ways. You have to take in and also give out. That seems to be a common theme over the first two weeks of this uh, series is intentionality. So I'm expecting that will continue for the next couple of weeks also. Yeah. Amy and I also got an opportunity to talk briefly about some of the differences between Elijah's time as prophet of Israel and that of Elisha's. So we see initially in 1 Kings 17, Elijah just shows up. He just shows up in scripture. Ta-da! Enter Elijah. Yes, we do get that he's from Tishbe, but what about before that? No answers. Yet as Elisha is introduced, we get a bit more of the background and some details of his eventual rise to the prophet of Israel. I just think the writer's different approach is interesting to consider for both of these major characters. Another example shows us that most of what Elijah did, his exile to the brook, the calling of God at Mount Carmel, one of my favorite stories in scripture, his time in the cave and then ministering to the woman and her son, All of these were longer, complex stories, much of which was either solo work or kind of in the background of society. While if we look at Elisha's, they were just largely quick reads, supernatural little snippets of his work on behalf of God, and many times just right out in the open, right out in public. No real attempt to hide at all. Bold. And then lastly, probably the most significant to the transition topic As Elijah was burned out, tired, and beaten down, most likely due to the consistent threat of Ahab and Jezebel, Elijah grabs a mantle with great anticipation, enthusiasm, and a bit of spunk and is ready to go. Just ask those boys that called him Mr. Baldy, Mr. Baldy. Ready to go. But in response, Amy gives us this insight. Although Elijah was that way, he also, it's just, you know, he's the one who showed up at the transfiguration. He's the one that continued to be mentioned. And Elisha wasn't, even though Elisha got a double portion of the spirit, you know? Yep. And if you go by count alone, I mean, uh, Elisha had way more miracles. Now, Elijah's were pretty amazing, but... Right. (laughs) Yep. It was bringing a hammer up out of the water. That's pretty... I know. I know. (laughs) So, yeah, that is just a really, really interesting part of that story. Uh All right, Amy, thanks for giving me some time. I appreciate it. Thanks. You bet. With that, I'll have to bring the first ever Variety Show episode of The Middle Podcast to a close. Thank you so much to our guests, Ainsley, Adam, and Pastor Amy Akatero, and a thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us. We'll see you again next week on The Middle Podcast.